Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, this episode is another retrospective on an anime series that has had a unique cultural impact or uh, is of unique cultural relevance in Canada. This time we're going to be talking about another anime that had a, uh, an impact in French-speaking Canada, but is pretty much unknown in Eng- English-speaking Canada. It's called Candy Candy, or as it is known across the French-speaking world, Candy. Uh, I don't know why they had to cut the other candy, and for that matter, I don't know why they had to square candy to begin with. They never really, uh, that never really made sense to me. Candy Candy, the 70s shoujo phenomenon, it took the entire world by storm, except for the places where people spoke English. And joining me uh, today are three folks who are uh, highly qualified in the field of Candy Candy. Joining us again, always great to have Chris on the show, who gives us the uh, extremely important and extremely valuable francophone perspective on this. Uh, Chris, can you give a quick introduction to yourself? Hey, hi, my name is uh, Chris. I am, uh, uh, well, as, as Jesse mentioned, I, I watched a lot of anime in French. I, I recently started a podcast about anime music uh, because that that's what, what I really love. So uh, do check it out. What's it called? Uh, it's called Anison Talk. Anison Talk. And uh, you, you know, you're really into idols. You make a... You, you you make the occasional trip to Japan to catch uh, to catch musical performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do go to Japan. I I, I don't want to say often, but I, I do go often <laughs> to yeah. go uh, catch uh, Anison concerts. So that that's that's also one of the reasons why I started my podcast because I I want to spread the love. You have a lot to say on it. Uh, we missed yes. each other by like th- two days in Japan this it's, year, which uh, which is unfortunate. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. All right. So also joining us is Dave Merrill, who has been on the show uh, quite a few times before now. Dave? Hello, everybody. I'm Dave. I'm uh, one of these anime nerds that has been watching Japanese cartoons since I was a wee tot. And I'm just obsessed with the gosh darn things. Somebody help me. And joining us for the first time is Shandel Manouk. Uh, you may have seen her on Twitter. Uh, she has a well, it's, 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 there's a candy candy Matsuri mask on yes. uh, on some kind of statue. It's this a little ceramic dog, and he's wearing yeah. a little medallion that says uh, "Give me love" or something or something like that. Candy Candy is the org- progenitor of so much wonderful janky merchandise from the 1970s. I don't think it's hard to get a lot of it now, uh, even if you're in Japan. But man, if you if you when you stumble on that stuff, it is wonderful. Uh, and uh, Candy Candy was a franchise that was just a treasure trove for that kind of thing. It was. It was one of the big 70s shoujo phenomenon, or at least of the late 70s for sure, especially with, with younger girls at that time. Um, if you're not familiar with Candy Candy, it is the, the story of, uh, of Candace White Adley, or as she's known in French, uh, Candace Snow Andre. Uh, <laughs> Snow Andre. Snow Andre. Uh, well, it's actually Candy Neige, but yeah. Oh, it's Candy Neige. Oh, okay. Candy Neige, yes. Candy, that that makes more sense. Candy Neige. Yes. I guess uh, the the resources I was looking at, I guess, were auto translating. So, yeah. um, Chris, you'll have to step in and correct me on many things uh, yes. we're going to be discussing in this podcast today. <laughs> um, she, anyway, she's a blonde, blonde-haired, freckled orphan uh, who uh, is very good with a lasso. Uh, she finds herself adopted into a wealthy family, and she faces horrible. Tra- uh, she constantly faces horrible tragedy uh, for every good thing that happens in her life, um, as was the style of many shows at that time. No good deeds goes unpunished. And th- as someone gra- I think so- I saw on YouTube someone actually graphed out 
Like every throughout the course of the story, every good thing that happens with Candy and the proportional tragedy that immediately follows it every single time and it just goes up and down, up and down. Uh, but yeah, that's that that's pretty much the basic idea uh, behind Candy Candy. It was a cultural touchstone in Japan when it came out in the late 70s as a merchandising phenomenon um, and was also uh, the same in most countries around the world, including Canada, but only the French-speaking portion. The anime, uh, the French ad- adaptation of the anime, actually was a Qu- uh, Quebec production, one of only a handful of anime that was dubbed in Quebec. Uh, there was a French version as well, but you know we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. And uh, most interestingly, uh, Candy Candy has not seen the light of day in any legal capacity since 1998 due to a legal dispute uh, between the creators. So all of Candy Candy is fan sub. You can watch it all. But any version of the show you find looks like complete garbage because it is taken from some kind of source that was released or broadcast before 1998. Only a handful of random episodes of Candy Candy were released on VHS um, in Japan, and anything else is usually either sourced from an old television broadcast, I think usually from, like, reruns on TV Osaka or something, or taken from bootleg DVDs, uh, which are the only DVDs you can get of Candy Candy because it never had any actual DVD release or any digital release. Um, And I think even some of the episodes floating around there are just, like, direct telecine rips that someone was able to smuggle out or someone who had access to the Masters was able to smuggle out. But you can get all 115 episodes, uh, which is kind of a miracle, frankly, given the circumstances. And I, I can say, I, I actually watched all 115 episodes of this on my cell phone uh, during my commute wow. on a couple of plane rides um, over <laughs> over the course of a few months. And even on my cell phone, a tiny screen, it's still every episode looked like total garbage. Um, our, our copies came from a, a gray market um, yeah. oh, Korean. Yeah. Was it Korean? I think it's yeah. a Korean DVD set that we have. And I know that that's been available. If you go to the various Chinatowns and the cities, you might see one or two kicking around still these days. It's worth keeping an eye out for. I don't really generally support the purchase of uh, gray market merchandise, but... Well, sometimes you have no choice. Yeah, Yeah. I believe both of the Manga Matsuri short films got some sort of VHS release. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah, and there's a 1990 short film that Toei made, the sort of a... a, um, updating of one of the stories but it's you know half an hour so it's basically a tv episode my opinion it's it's probably better to torrent this stuff like the the it would be better to torrent the bootleg to dvds than to purchase it because at least that way people aren't making you're you're not directly supporting any kind of you know shady business yeah, that's with, true. with money but i will I mean, say i i um i had a co-worker who is a japanese she's a japanese woman who grew up in canada but her parents kind of wanted to make sure she had uh, Japanese language skills and enjoyed Japanese pop culture. And she's about our age. And she, Candy Candy, was a big influence on her life. You know, everybody that's kind of our age uh, and is a woman and uh, had access to a television in the 70s, I think was a, is probably still is a big Candy Candy fan. So I think that explains why you're seeing, uh, you're seeing so many of the episodes on YouTube. Uh, or generally, I mean, this is something that should not be available, and yet it is available. And it's because people love it, and they want to see it. Think how much money they'd be making if it wasn't for this copyright dispute. Oh, man, they're leaving so much money on the table. And the funny, and I mean, we'll get into this more in detail later, I'm sure, but I, the copyright disputes have been pretty much settled, but 
everyone's just kind of afraid to reopen the the candy candy pandora's box I, I i don't know it's it's a weird situation for sure you know i don't know if i mentioned this to you we were out west uh we were actually in vancouver driving down to portland we stopped off at an antique mall in upstate washington state and uh, yeah as we do we dig through antique malls and they had a children's sewing machine that had an image of candy candy on it i don't was think it was i think it was candy candy was this in bellingham no, it wasn't. It was like not near a city at all. It was like some super small town. Okay, because I went. I went to this. I went to this great vintage store in Bellingham, and they had like this. It was a Space Adventure Cobra slot machine. Patches, patches slot. Yeah. At you know the problem is you see this stuff and you're not driving, so you can't take the big stuff home with you. You know, if I was driving, it's like, oh yeah, that's coming home with me. But you're flying, so it's like I can't. Buy another airplane seat just for my Golgo 13 Pachinko machine. Now you're making me feel bad for not picking that stuff up. Because um, <laughs> I drove down there. Um, ah. Yeah. But anyway, point, anyway, point is, Candy Candy was just everywhere for almost 20 years. And now it's it's just gone. The only way you could watch it are these janky fan subs that, de- for some reason, default to Romanian when you watch them, and you have to <laughs> manually go in and change it to English because the English-speaking oh, audience is so irrelevant for Candy Candy. <laughs> that's uh, brilliant. Even more so today. That was my experience with every single one of these files I had. That's just the version I got, at least. But I do not regret that experience at all because Candy Candy, I think, is without question one of the best anime of the 1970s, and I cannot recommend anything less than watching every single episode for yourself. Uh, in fact, I think you should, if you haven't done it, if you've been putting off watching Candy Candy or haven't considered it, I'd say go do it now. It I feel is. like if you're going to call your, if you're going to call yourself an anime fan, this is something that you need to have in your education. This is yeah. vital. It is old looking. It is cheaply animated, even for its time. It is unapologetically for children and for young girls specifically. And th- th- I think those are things that will put people off of the show. But after watching the whole thing, I really feel that all of those things uh, are actually its strengths. I actually wonder how much Candy Candy actually shaped the the current state of shoujo manga. Because you you find a lot of tropes in there that I, I see nowadays. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, for it did for sure, yeah. There's no question it was a huge influence. Not that I, I have anything to back that up, but I'm sure yeah. it's... I, I don't well, think I could... When you look at the, the shoujo manga that was happening in 1973, 74, 75, it was still, I, I don't want to say like, uh, there, there was, there were historical shoujo manga, but there wasn't anything that had that sweep to it. That, mm-hmm. And it really, really, I mean, the, the sweep of the American sort of the, I don't want to say the Wild West, but there's still this, this. There, there were some, but like, you know, a lot of shoujo manga, they were sports manga or, you know, there was some sort of, Learning to be an actress or a tennis player or something like that. Yeah, it was very situated in this extremely Japanese school environment. Yeah. And Candy Candy made this sort of uh, gutsy move. Like, no, 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 we're going to put this in Indiana and we're going to put this at the turn of the century and at a time and a place that uh, many Japanese kids might not know anything about. Well, she was really influenced by, like, Anne of Green Gables. And I think Little House on the Prairie, Those that was, like, getting big when the the manga started. It was... It was Candy Candy was very much in the spirit of World Masterpiece Theater. Yeah, I, I believe it started on TV at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was very much in that spirit, and it kind of intersects it with, you know, a, a lot of shoujo manga focused on class issues or at least rich people. 
and it, it has I think it creates kind of an interesting intersection there. What right? was you know I, I want to say uh, Prairie Girl Laura was mm-hmm. might have still been on the air when Candy Candy started. Oh my God! Wow. At the same time. For yeah, sure. like seventy four, seventy five, seventy six. That's that sounds about right. But yeah, there's it's definitely part of a trend, and I think was still despite that was still influential uh, in a lot of ways. And again, you'll. I think you'll understand a lot of what we mean, even if even if you're not convinced by uh, by what we say about how impactful this, this show was. I think when you see it, you'll you'll get it. Um, but before we get into like more of the background on Candy Candy, I want to know a little more about everyone's personal experience uh, with Candy Candy and how you kind of came into the show. Um, I, I've already given mine. Uh, for me, Candy Candy was always I'd always just known of it as this anime that showed on Radio Canada um in the the french uh the french cbc and i didn't i didn't really know anything about it beyond that context because of course at the time i was getting into anime candy candy was in limbo so it was just something that was not really on anyone's radar anymore at that point um but uh well we'll start maybe we'll start with chris because i think you you watched it on tv as a kid uh right it was still it was still still rerunning well into the 90s on on radio canada uh, yeah, but actually, because I was I was in Benin when I started watching it. I watched the French dub, but I watched. Uh, so, so I I found I found this now when you when you told me the other day, I, I didn't know because to me that was the only version that existed. So so essentially, basically, the French dub they changed uh, something that happens to your character. <laughs> yeah, where <laughs> thing that happened. You you know what? I think we should spoiler alert. I think it's going to be impossible. For us yeah. to really get into this without spoiling one major thing that happens early in the series, and I'll, uh, this this goes into like how the dubs played out around episode twenty four. Uh, the character Anthony dies horribly and shockingly, and it is a traumatizing moment. That look uh, that horse. It's traumatizing because the horse goes puts his foot right in the bear trap. It is not telegraphed yes. at all. Yeah, that you do do not know it's coming. Yeah. At no point do you think, oh, well, something bad's going to happen. No, 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 it's out of nowhere. Sometimes it's so I disagree. I, sorry, sorry, Shane Dalt, but I was going to say, I disagree. This is actually hilariously <laughs> telegraphed in the show leading up to it. it oh, well, there's foreshadowing. There yeah. is foreshadowing. Oh, yeah, there's all the foreshadowing, yeah. But despite that foreshadowing, it is still absolutely shocking when it happens. And this is this is something that seriously disrupted the French version. But I think, uh, Chris, I... I, I Chris will share his his experience with that. But, but yeah, so uh, 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 I watched it when I was like nine, and, and you know, when you're a kid, you you watch shows. Sometimes you, you don't question things. <laughs> so in the French version that I watched, uh, he doesn't die. He just had a terrible accident, and he could that could leave him paralyzed. You know, so you don't ever see him again. Besides when Candy. He has uh, flashbacks of him and the accident, and you know, yes, if, if, <laughs> if you're watching it with an adult eyes, now you know he's definitely dead. You, <laughs> but you, as a kid, you just don't question it. You were successfully fooled into believing that Anthony was just in the hospital. I was. I believed he was in the hospital. Well, and if you never, if you haven't seen it already, then it's easy to think that it's like, well, eventually we'll see him again. And then you yeah. just kind of forget about it. It's like, you know, we never did see him again. <laughs> He's lying there in the hospital. Why would they visit? Yeah. Somebody visit me. 
Yeah, just like how we we, we never saw Franny again. <laughs> she just oh, got oh, that's right. Yeah, they wrote her out. I don't I don't believe she added. She did what she needed. Well, to do. yeah, I don't think that there was any like she didn't definitively die even in the manga. No, it's, no, no. But you but, just never see her again. Yeah. But I mean, she went to the front line. So, <laughs> and honestly, I thought that's where the show was going to go. Me too. I thought yeah. Candy was going to go to uh, the front lines, the the Western Front in France. Yeah, I thought that's what. Yeah. Was. And yeah. they just dodged it. They said, that. "Nope, not going there." So it was fascinating. Uh, sorry, Chris. Sorry, we we went on a, a little <laughs> little tangent there, which will little, yeah. probably keep happening. But uh, sorry, go on. So yeah, so um, uh, I, I watched that version, which was very interesting. Uh, and uh, w- one of the things I, I, I used to do with uh, it, it was one of actually one of the shows I used to watch with my grandmother. So religiously every day, because it would air like around noon, and, and usually at noon we would get a, a break from school. So usually kids go back uh, home to eat, and that was when Kenny was airing. Oh. So I was I would always watch it with my grandmother. I have this very fond memory of the show, even though it's the Suffering Olympics, uh, <laughs> yep. because I was watching it with my grandmother. That's a very nice memory. That's really nice. Yeah. And I know that uh, there's other there's some anime that you came back to to watch later on, like the Manga's channel uh, in in France and stuff. Is this something that you went back to later as well? I, I did not actually. Mm-hmm. And how like this? The, you're, this was the '90s, so this show had already been running in you know it had been running in France and been in other French areas and and Quebec for or well no all of Canada because Radio Canada is available across the country. Uh, but it, it it ran through through the '80s, well into the '90s. Um, there are multiple different versions of the dubs. You you, you watched it uh, yourself. Did you did you know other kids who watched? Kind of what the perception of the show was with others. Uh, not really, because uh, I, it was more, I guess, of a girly show mm-hmm. back in the days. So other kids wouldn't really say that they used to watch it. I was gonna ask, like, was there any stigma associated with watching a girl show? Yeah, it was. It was definitely. I mean, as a kid, definitely a girly show. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to say that you you watched Kenny. I mean, I knew another uh, French Canadian guy when I was in college, and he he watched it, and mm-hmm. he just watched it as a matter of course, along with uh, like uh, Albator and uh, Goldorak. Goldorak, yeah. Goldorak, yeah, the Holy Trinity. I, I think, as far as the girly shows are concerned, one of the uh, one of the the, the, the uh, anime that I I watched and that I know that. Nobody could really escape was uh, Princess Sarah. Oh, yeah. That was a little later. That was, uh, oh, that, yeah. that, that's a little princess, isn't it? I want to say is that. It, is, I think so, yeah. Is, is that what it's called in English? I, I believe so, yeah. It's about a little girl who, if I remember the story, she gets sent to an orphanage. Yeah. And that, 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 that one's not a suffering Olympic. Yeah, oh, it's total suffering. It's based on a, like a Victorian children's book, so of course it's nothing but suffering. I believe that was like the late 80s, that anime. I think it was a little I later. I don't know that I'm familiar with that at all. You'll you, you recognize it if I show you pictures in the anime mags. It was in a lot of the anime mags. Mm. So, uh, Chris, with, um, Candy Candy, do you know anyone, do you also know anyone who was, who, who watched it in like Quebec, uh, or, or French Canada as well? No, I, I've asked around and nobody else yeah. in my friend my friend circle watched it. Yeah, but it was it was rerunning through the eighties. Early early nineties is about when it 
petered out. I think we didn't uh, yes. we didn't get it right through to the uh, the cutoff the the hard cutoff of 1998. Uh, but it was it was definitely there. It was definitely it definitely had an impact. I think I I found an ad recently for uh, this was like some kind of felt clothing doll set. I sent you guys. I I, I showed oh, you guys yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, that was yes, uh, yes. is actually is actually for uh, Hello Sandy Bell. But yes. Hello Sandy Bell never aired in Quebec. So no. I guess they figured they had these toys they had to distribute. So And Candy Candy was still on the air uh, 10 years later. So they figured, oh, well, Candy looks – this look, she looks enough like Candy. Let's just she, throw Candy on there. They're, they're both blondes. They have freckles. Yeah. <laughs> One of Candy's orphan pals from Pony's Home. All right. Well, uh, Dave, why don't, we, uh, why don't we get into your background with the show? Well, in the early 80s when home video was booming in the States – there was a company called Ziv International that released uh, several anime titles on direct-to-home video uh, in English with English dubs. They did the uh, there was an infamous Captain Harlock dub. They they released uh, they released Captain Future. Uh, they released um, uh, Loon Loon the Flower Angel as just Angel. These were just like one or two episodes on a tape. That's as much. And they released Candy Candy in dubbed in English. So I uh, would I saw that I rented it. Um, the dubbing is awful. Uh, it's just the first two episodes, so you really don't get. They're not the most compelling. Episodes. They're not the most compelling episodes. It, it takes a little while for the story to yeah. really get going. Uh, but I like, oh well, that's Candy Candy. Okay, I know what Candy Candy is. And actually, when they started running Honey Honey on CBN, I was I saw that in the TV listings, and I'm like, maybe this is Candy Candy with a weird dub. <laughs> no, 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 it's completely different. But, you know, um, I knew what Candy Candy was. I knew uh, when that book Manga Manga came out, yeah. there's a chapter about shoujo manga. And they're like, oh, well, the Candy Candy is, you know, you become your irigashi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when I got the chance, um, this friend of mine named James uh, basically said, here, Dave, here's all of Candy Candy. You need to watch this. And uh, we sat down and I'm not started. sure where he got that either. It's I, from I those same. The gray market. Yeah. It's the. It's, you know, yeah. a magical fairy gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, we sat down and watched Candy Candy and uh, really liked it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great once you get started. But it is the kind of thing that you'd see, you would see merchandise tucked into corners. You would see pictures of it in the anime mags from the 70s. If you're at all trying to dig up anime stuff from the 70s, it's always there. And mm-hmm. especially when you're looking at European you would see ads for European branded candy candy toys alongside the Albator stuff. So it was always there. And that's my story. I still have that videotape. I bought, I bought the Ziv candy candy videotape for a dollar, maybe $2. Still got it. And yeah, Ziv usually, they, they picked up quite a few shows. Usually, they usually tried to pitch them to, to Nickelodeon in the States from what I understand, but it, they very rarely took. I don't believe they sold anything that went to series. Oh, okay, okay. I believe what they what they they dubbed them. Um, the only thing they released that was a series was Fables of the Green Forest. Yeah, and that was shown. That aired here. It did not air yeah. in the states. It aired, in but they didn't release. Yeah, mine. they released. Uh, <laughs> oh, they really? released like four videotapes of Fables of the Green Forest. They didn't treat it like here's this TV show. Volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four. It was like here's Bobby Raccoon. Well, I think it's because the stories are are episodic. They're self-contained. So yeah, they're self-contained. Yeah. When I do the Fables of the Green Forest episode, I will not have to watch every episode like I did for Candy Candy. Oh no, I you, have to, you have, episode. have to watch every episode. I think <laughs> I've only seen a couple of episodes of that one. I'm sure everybody has. Yeah. 
And uh, and Shandel, your uh, your your background with with Candy Candy. Yeah, well, um, I I first heard about it, you know, manga manga and these other like early magazine articles about you know the you know anime, you know animation in Japan and the, this kind of introductory articles that would mention candy is a matter of course and I, it looked really interesting to me and I'm like, well, it's just one of many things I'll never get to see. Um, but when I moved up here, cause I was living in the States at the time, but when I moved up to, uh, Ontario, it was running, I, I think it was actually on, uh, the French TVO. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, so I got to see episodes, but I, I don't speak French, but I would still watch it because, you know, I don't care. I'll watch unsubtitled Japanese. Why wouldn't I watch French? Uh, so I did watch some of it that, that I, I only got to watch it sporadically at the time. Um, so that was like pretty much all I got to see of it until Dave got the DVDs from Jim, from James. About what, what year was this when it was airing on, on TFO? Uh, that would have been the, the mid eighties. Mid eighties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it didn't run for very long. I think it was, it went off a few years later. So I didn't get to see it again. Probably. Yeah. It was probably a couple of years later. It stopped running. Jesse, do you know if uh, Candy Candy aired in its entirety on Radio Canada? It did, yes. They aired the it entire thing. It. Yeah, oh, really? They ran, okay. they ran the whole thing uh, over the course of quite a few years. I think I think there were gaps in the broadcast. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll get into that next. Uh, it started airing on Radio Canada uh, September 23rd, 1978. It had already debuted in France on Antenna 2. Uh, on the 18th, and this was just a few weeks after Goldorak, which was on TVA, but this was on on Radio Cha- uh, Radio Canada. So these two juggernauts uh, started just within weeks of each other, but on uh, on competing stations. And I, I like to think that Candy, as I kind of touched on before, is like the one of the three shows that really made anime uh, uh, an important part of Quebec culture, including Candy, Albator, and Goldorak. But it was also part of another uh, trinity of female-led anime shows that were dubbed in Quebec. The other, the other one, of course, was Anne of Green Gables, uh, the, the World Masterpiece Theater version a few years later. But there was another one, which we haven't really gotten into much on this show, but it was Sally the Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dub of Sally the Witch, known as yes. Mini Fay. Uh, and that started airing nine years earlier in 1969. Wow. And it was, um, and it was actually at this time in 1978, it was still running on Radio Canada. They, uh, well, I mean, it's a pretty long show. They got their mileage out of it. Um, so. Did they air the black and white episodes and the color episodes or just so the from color what, episodes? From what I understand, they aired the whole thing. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I gotta look into it a little more and we, mm-hmm. I am definitely gonna do an episode on, on Mini Fay. At some point, but don't remember the black and white episodes, but I, I know I definitely saw the, the color episodes on. Yeah, I think it's po- it's possible they didn't run the back the black and white ones. I gotta I gotta dig a little deeper to find that, and it's hard to dig into this stuff because um, there are language and generational barriers to uh, to overcome to get all the information you need to get. Uh, everything properly documented. This is why every time you you see an old TV guide, you're like. Do I need to look at the TV listings in this old TV guide? At least that's what I always think. Hey, if you subscribe to certain newspapers, you can check out their archives yes, um, yes. of television listings going way back. So Mini Fay uh, was actually kind of picked up by chance through a company called Sonolab. They kind of landed on their laps through the distributor that picked it up. Usually dealt with with films from uh, from Japan for 
for, for like film festivals or for screenings at that time. They kind of they just kind of they kind of wound up with this show. And the French dub was produced by a woman named Bernadette Maureen, uh, who I I think from what I have seen, she's a bit of an unsung hero in early anime localization because she was quite instrumental to the introduction of anime in Quebec. Um, and the thing about Minifei is that uh, this is actually the first non-Osamu Tezuka anime that was distributed anywhere in the world in French. And they dubbed it definitely with the intention of uh, of distributing internationally. Because, Chris, I know we were you were watching one of the episodes and you, I think we came to the conclusion that though it was dubbed in Quebec, they were definitely trying to make it sound Parisian. Yes. Which is, that's usually what you do when, you know, something's dubbed in Quebec and they want to make it more international friendly. It was never, it never was distributed outside of Quebec though. That's, because, that's interesting. uh, I mean, because, I mean, the reality was that anime just wasn't big in France at that time. So there wasn't that's the, that? um, you know, they had some shows, of course, but the phenomenon of the late seventies hadn't hit yet. So the whole, the pipeline that we would later see for anime flowing through wasn't in place yet. So Minifade, it only, only aired in Canada in French speaking Canada. <laughs> Wow. So, uh, Bernadette Morin, she started and produced Minifei. Uh, she she played she played the main character, and her daughter Amelie Morin was also in the series in a in a minor role. But now, ten years later, Candy Candy was being this was at the time when Toei Animation was really aggressively pushing anime in the European market. And I'm a little short on the details here. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened here, but there was a from my understanding, there were two dubs of Candy Candy produced at first, one in Quebec and the other one in France. Uh, and that was the case for 26 episodes. So basically, Bernadette Maureen, she was in charge of dubbing the first 26 episodes of Candy Candy, which was done by Sinalume uh, in Montreal. And her daughter, Amelie Maureen, played Candy. She she brought her daughter back to to play that role. And this is the version that ran in Quebec. Um, I, I will say I, I've done my best to research this. It is possible that the Quebec dub did run in France as well, but the information I've seen have all indicated that that, that was probably not the case. It seems that it was a, a France-based dub that was running there at the time. So this Quebec dub covered 26 episodes. So right up until like the aftermath of the event we mentioned before, the death of Anthony. And in this dub, Anthony's death was uncensored. Uh, that whole thing played out exactly as it did in the original Japanese version. And this was also the case in the version that aired in France. I don't know what the, the fallout was like in Quebec, but in France, there was a giant scandal over the event that happened with this, with this character's death. Ch- children were shocked and traumatized, as they should have been, um, <laughs> by the events that, that played out in episode 24 of Candy Candy. So much that Basically, the 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 series was halted. Well, I, I think they had only li- they had both only licensed 26 episodes up to that point, but there was kind of a damage control situation that came uh, into play over the next couple of months. And Antenna Two, who was the broadcaster who played Candy Candy, uh, they actually edited together a clip show uh, explaining that everything that had happened in the last three episodes of Candy Candy was in fact a dream, and that <laughs> Anthony was just in the hospital. Wow. Um, uh, <laughs> Wow. And so after that, and they uh, complain about Americans rewriting <laughs> Japanese. I believe they were the only ones. That, there may I, I'm a, I feel like there's at least one other European dub that said that he was in the hospital. It might have been Koreans? Italy or well, the Koreans just came up with their own ending, but it was just like a comic. Okay, but like I believe 
maybe Greek or Italy. Yeah. Italy, maybe. They may have just been taking the fr- cues from the French. It version. could be, yeah. Yeah. What I find interesting is that it was it was initially uncensored. Then they had to backtrack and try and. Yeah. Um, obviously, this was a traumatizing thing, even for even for French speaking Canadian children. But I don't think that it was uh that that kind of reaction happened for the broadcast here. But despite that, um, this sort of resulted in a in a, a bit of a shift for the show. And um, the for whatever reason, the Quebec version ended after twenty six episodes. Um, I originally thought that uh, the Quebec version had aired in both countries, and then they moved production over to France after that to uh, to try and keep Antenna Two happy. That doesn't seem to be what happened when I did further research. Um, if if that is, if if I'm wrong, please uh, feel free to contact and correct me, and I will uh, I will amend this episode or to, get, or to get that information out. But anyway, for after episode 26, the France dubbed aired in both both French speaking Canada and in France, and that's the version that that ran for many years. Uh, a few years later, though, in France, they decided to read uh, in the late 80s. They decided to redub a portion of the series that would fix all the events with Anthony's death, so that it would be properly restored. I believe they went a little further into the show, but not the whole way, which creates a, an awkward situation where Anthony's death is restored, but later references to him being in the hospital are still kept intact so what i'm saying is the french version of candy candy is a giant mess uh, regardless of which version you're watching look if that happened in the real world you would want to tell the other kids no 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 he's not dead he's just in the hospital and some people might know he's actually dead but they won't tell the other kids you would tell the kids if one of their friends died fido had to we sent fido to a farm upstate I mean, you might do that with a pet, but you can't yeah. do that. No, with you another. can't. No, you can't do that with a kid. No, that would be psychotic. It's true. But you know, it's funny because I, I was rewatching a, uh, a clip from uh, from a French uh, from a French dub when uh, Candy is uh, explaining to uh, Terry who Anthony is, and, and in that 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 sentence, she uses a past tense to talk about Anthony, which implies he's dead, but then she switches to say. Oh, but he's in the hospital. <laughs> like they just you can't see her like her mouth when she says that. Oh, he's in the hospital. <laughs> it's very janky. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's yes. the opposite of Coochie died on his way back to his home park. <laughs> uh, notably, in in the episodes that they redubbed, it wasn't actually fully the French the the France cast. Um, Amelie Maureen actually reprised her, who was living in France at that, she had moved to France at that time, uh, she actually reprised her role as Candy, uh, in those redubbed episodes that were pr- produced over in France. So, again, that, that kind of creates a bit of a mess with the series. Um, I don't think they've ever made a proper, fully uncut dub, French dub of Candy Candy. It's gonna, pretty much always gonna have those flaws forever. It, I just th- thought it was interesting that they, they would, ul- they would only, ultimately acknowledge the Quebec dub and and bring her in as the voice of the main character for a, for like a you know a good portion of this of the series has the french version been released on home video uh, i don't believe it has officially um, uh, from what i understand um somebody tried to release uh two dvds recently in 2005 <laughs> they released 20 23 episodes but it was not legal ah. so they uh they they stopped very quickly. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was in in French. I believe it was in French. Yeah. There's a okay. Yeah. There's there there there's a 
there have been some sorted tales of, uh, of, of bootleg candy candy DVDs because people just want it so badly that they just will try and make it materialize, even though the source materials they have access to are not appropriate for DVD at all. For the most part, that is, uh, that, I think that kind of paints the picture of Candy Candy. But uh, Dave, I was hoping that you could maybe tell us a little about, just go, going back even further, about Candy's background in Japan and just kind of how it all started. I understand it actually started as a novel by uh, by the by one of the creators. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. It was a novel in 1970. I want to say uh, before the manga started, there was a, I guess you'd call it a light novel now. Uh, that's my guess. I'm blanking on her name. Yeah. I'm the writer's name. I'm like Kyoto Mizuki. Yes, thank you. So uh, Mizuki had this character and had a novel and got together with Igarashi, the artist, and they, you know, did the candy candy manga Nakayoshi. And that lasted until 79, right around the same time as the TV show ended, the manga ended. But that was, um, you know, a popular manga, you know, in a popular weekly girls magazine. When I say the Toei anime show started in 1976, so France and Quebec got it uh, a little, not not too much longer after it its Japanese premiere. But it was a, you know, it's a big hit in Japan, or it was a big hit, still is. Um, I think if they patched together their differences and released Candy Candy merch, it would be really popular. Yeah, it would sell. And what what exactly happened with the the whole legal fallout? I think it was it was after everything was completed, wasn't it? The and show was over. It was done. I want to say Igarashi wanted to do more Candy Candy, and Mizuki's like, no, you're not going to do any more Candy Candy. I think she she felt the story was over, and yeah. the artist wanted to get... And they, they both felt that, like, the artist felt that she had as much contribution to the creation of the character as the writer did. It kind of parallels the uh, Leiji Matsumoto Yoshinobu Nishizaki Yamato business, where Matsumoto's like, I'm just going to go off and do my own. And Nishizaki's like, oh, no, you don't, because I believe Igarashi did her own. She Well, she did Georgie Girl. Yeah. Or some Georgie. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was basically just warmed over candy candy. It's really similar. Yeah, yeah. it's really similar. Was it called Georgie Girl? I think it was or? just Georgie. Yeah, maybe just I'm thinking of the song. Lady Georgie, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Is, I don't know why I'm blanking it's on It's not this. based on the name. Uh, it's all in my blog. I wrote a whole Let's Anime column about Candy Candy. I did all my research. I wrote it all down. Let'sAnimeBlogspot.com. Do a search for Candy Candy. It's all there. But the the deal, the the basic gist of the story is Toei would love to do, or, or at one point in 1990 was like, we're going to do more Candy Candy. But both the writer and the artist right, yeah, were Toei had a, a butting heads against each other. They, I want to say they sued each other. Igarashi released merchandise she wasn't supposed to release, so they sued her. It got really ugly, and the Japanese are not uh, super happy about lawsuits. And yeah, the they don't really like scandals. The, and- the scandal of a lawsuit, just everyone's like, okay, fine, we're just not going to do anything. Just nobody. None of you can play, play nicely, so nobody gets anything. That's basically uh, what they did. And that was years and years and years ago. Um, I still see, I know that when we were... Um, Looking for the stuff the last time we were in Japan, we were seeing some art books that were fairly new, but it was all, you know, Igarashi manga artwork. Yeah, yeah. And she did that other manga, so. I haven't really seen anything. She appears as a minor character in um, Crusher Joe. Yeah. The film Crusher Joe, actually. A lot of manga artists make little cameos in that film. I think she designed a character in that film. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. yeah. Just do the little... It's in that bar scene in the Crusher Joe movie. That All that legal wrangling makes me makes me wonder how they would have reacted to the uh, Hello Sandy Bell merchandise being be, <laughs> being sold under the uh, under the guise of Candy Canyon. I gotta I got say, if they saw what happened to Robotech, they... they all <laughs> and this is not like... What a wild time. There's a giant history of uh, properties being combined. And I mean, you have the show Attack Number 1. Which is a volleyball show from 1969. Yeah, I watched it. Well. Yeah, and they took another volleyball show from the 80s called Attacker U, which is by a completely different everything, and said, "Oh, this is a sequel to Attack Number One." It's like, no, it's got nothing to really? do with, oh, with wow. volleyball. Yeah, Attacker U has got nothing to do with Attack Number One, but in certain countries, they're sequels. Like Robotech. Okay. Like Robotech. Or I think the Chinese made made their own sequel to Attack Number One. Hmm. Like and, and, and in France, they gave Attacker Number One and Attacker U very distinct, different names, so they they couldn't play on the sequel angle. That's a good idea, yeah, because those two shows are very different. Even though they're they're both about girls volleyball, they're very different. Yeah. They're also both ridiculous. They are in ridiculous wonder, in wonderful, in yeah. wonderful, wonderful way. But it's you know it's interesting when you see there uh, when you watch Attack Number One and it's all about I've got to be the best volleyball player. I'm going to work hard and struggle. And then you watch Candy Candy and it's I've got to learn to be a nurse. I've got to struggle. But there's not that much of that really. No, there's not like special training. That's what, there's you no know, special training. What I was saying about now. you know a lot of the girls manga was based around learning to do a specific thing, but Candy was more generalized. It was just her life story. Yeah, she just wants to find out who her prince on the hill is. She doesn't even, I don't think she even <laughs> cares about that. I, I, I mean, she's curious, but that's not like the, the golden egg or anything. She's not chasing after anything. Do we need to go through the uh, the general plot? The you know what? Story? I, that was my, my plan was to go through the general story. Maybe we can. I think we should work together on this because if I sit here pounding out every single plot point uh, of Candy Candy over the course of the story, I'm probably going to destroy my throat. Well, she winds up. She's an orphan. Uh, she's left at Miss Pony's Home for Orphans in uh, Laporte, Indiana, which is a real town. I don't know if they know that they've been immortalized in a Japanese cartoon in Laporte, Indiana, but uh, she's found in an orphanage, and they name her Candy. I mean, Cand- Candace was like the name pinned to the yeah. doll that she was yeah. left with, and they name her White because of the snow. Yeah, in the manga, they name her White because of her white skin, apparently. Oh, oh, really? Which is, uh, wow. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, she's pretty white. She, she is. is really she's pale. Very yeah. white. It's yes. very weird that they find Annie at the exact same time and place, but don't bother giving her a last name. They don't name call her Annie White, yeah. Yeah, yeah Annie doesn't have a last <laughs> Annie is, is shortly later adopted by the Brighton family, which um, that, that's something that the uh, in the manga it just kind of... It just it just kind of kind of happens and it's sad. The anime really ratchets up the melodrama, but it's a it's a sad event because Candy and Annie are so they're so close uh, here at at Pony's home. And it's not until that she's adopted that Annie actually has a last name. After that point, she's she's Annie Brighton, uh, and Candy's left at Pony's home just with her raccoon. Who is not in the manga, by the way. Yes, the anime only raccoon character. In I think all the fan subs, the raccoon is called Kurin, but it, the consensus seems to be that. His name is supposed to be Clint. It is Clint. There's a there's an episode much later in the series where there's a man on a train and people are calling him Clint. 
And she's like, oh, she she thought they were calling the raccoon because she's hiding the raccoon. Yeah. Or she was, like, he was Clinton. Yeah, she's like, like, oh, she's, my... like she's calling Kulin, Kurin, Kurin, and she's like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm yeah. Clinton. My friends call me Clint sometimes. What was it? What was the raccoon's name in French? Uh, it's Capsa, uh, which is I I don't even know how to translate that. It's it's kind of like a cute name you would give like a child. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no debate over that one at all. So yeah, after she's separated from Annie. Uh, that's the point where she, uh, she, you know, she wanders uh, away from Pony's home and she meets the prince on the hill, who is this this very pretty young boy who uh, helps get her back on track by telling her that she's pretty, she's prettier when she smiles, and that seems to uh, have a very profound impact on her life, which is uh, again c- kind of weird. But telling um, a girl to smile, it always works. Always that, works. That does not work, by the way. Don't let anyone do that. No. I, I believe she was she was crying because she had just gotten a letter from Annie that said, "I can't write to you anymore." Yeah. Annie was told, yes. "You can't have any contact with these dirty orphans. You're now a rich." Well, young that's lady. Annie's story, yeah. but we find out later that's not entirely yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. And then Candy uh, gets adopted herself by the the Adley clan, which is a powerful one of the many many powerful wealthy families that populate Indiana. Uh, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Apparently that's... Well, she, she, she's not initially, uh, formally adopted. She's just kind of brought in by, yeah. Yeah. by the, uh, Lagan family. Or as a playmate for the, uh, the Neil and Eliza, who are the children, who are absolutely terrible, terrible people. Psych- they are psychotic. the most spoiled, sheltered, cruel, self-enabling pair of shit stains uh, you will ever meet. And they're both completely in, they never grow in any way. Throughout this entire series, they live only to try to destroy Candy's life, to terrorize Candy uh, in every way possible. Yeah. Kind of amazing and, how neither of them have a story arc whatsoever. It is. I know. You're thinking at some point, well, they're, we're going to meet them later and something will have happened to them. It's like, no, no they're just still no. terrible. No, they, they stay the same. Yeah. And this is actually, it's like the, the time period this is set in is the early 19th, sorry, the early 20th century. And there were actually, Super wealthy, powerful American families trying to sort of emulate this European class system. They tried really hard, and and it didn't really work out so well for them. But they tried. When they tried, they really tried. And as to point out in French, it's I think it's Legrand is the name yeah, of the, the family. And yeah. Neil is actually for some reason he's Daniel in Daniel, French. Daniel, yes. Daniel. Oh, but they, they call uh, him Neil from some. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Legrand is an actual name. Lagan is not a name. That's yeah, not a name that exists. I'm under the impression. I've always assumed it was meant to be Reagan. Well, I did too. And I could be wrong. Yeah. I've seen it spelled with the L yeah. in oh, the yeah, source material. Yeah. yeah. In the, the actual source, yeah. I think it is an L. Yeah. So you got to go with it. But yeah. they have a family emblem that looks like the crest that fell off the prince on the hill's kilt. So she thinks that maybe she's getting adopted by that family. And she does get adopted by the mysterious grandfather William. Mysterious grandfather William. So at, I think that's after after she gets sent to. So after yeah. um after Neil and Eliza uh try to frame her for stealing, and she gets banished to Mexico, yes. which is apparently a one day carriage ride away from from their home in Indiana. Well, they get in the carriage, but and it, if you haven't seen the show, they get in the carriage to go ride to the Lagan Estate in Mexico. And it's like the guy running the, 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 the wagon is like a, he's a Mexican, he's a Mexican stereotype in a big Pancho Villa hat. And he's got a, you know, uh, it's really, really insulting stereotype. 
but they it's even they, worse in the manga because he tries he tries to rape candy in the manga too yeah it's oh, oh, yeah. creepy. <laughs> but they yeah, pass mountains they go through buttes they go through monument valley like if you've ever been to indiana you know what indiana looks like it's flat there's a lot of corn there's not much happening there are no mountains tectonically in in indiana so the 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 landscape you see in the anime Candy Candy has no bearing at all on North American geography. Just want to point this out. They did a little bit of research into certain things, but this is not a uh, an extensively researched franchise. I believe I believe with Japan it's kind of the same with European countries. They don't have any idea how big North America is. And no. I think they think it's like, yeah. well, you know, you can take a couple of days and drive across the country. It's like no, it's very big. <laughs> you will get lost. You cannot go. People from, do get lost. You cannot go from New York City to Miami in a day of driving. Yeah, they, they, they honestly, they have no sense of scale because it's so much bigger than the country that they're living in. Oh, but we, we must mention that before Candy was banished to Mexico, she did befriend uh, co- cousins within the, the next uh, door neighbors. Yeah, the, next door neighbors. The estate next door. Well, there. I, I, I got. I got the. Um, I do have the the family tree open here. I think they're cousins. They're cousins once removed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's complicated. Right, because Eliza, whatever uh, she she thinks that she's gonna marry Anthony or something. Yeah, they are they are kissing cousins. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's yeah, Archie, have Archie, and Alistair and Anthony. Yeah, Alistair is uh, he's the cra- he's kind of the uh, the eccentric inventor. Um, Anthony is a handsome young boy who starkly reminds Candy of, of the Prince on the Hill. Uh, and uh, she, she, he's also the one who she, she falls in love with. And uh, Archie doesn't really have any notable qualities. He's he's, he's just kind of there for the whole story. He kind of wears weird, like... He's, he's like a fancy dresser. He's a fancy he's boy. A, but yeah. yeah, he has less of, an, uh, of a personality than the other ones. Yeah, Anthony strongly resembles the boy on the hill. Like, she thinks yeah. at first that... And, and this is the other weird thing, is you don't really get a sense of time. Like, how long after she sees the prince on the hill does she see Anthony yeah. for the first time? Yeah, see, that's another thing about Candy Candy, is that Candy ages very subtly, throughout the series i think in the manga it's a little more clear cut about how old she is at certain points yeah. in the story but the anime I'm, I'm never quite clear if she goes through puberty or not i don't believe she ever does i mean she does eventually yeah but... well everybody's got to but she always looks she always looks 12 or 11 yeah. there is one i think at one point around episode like the late 40s she suddenly grows about like about 30 percent you suddenly realize that oh she's taller than yeah she's taller characters she gets um, it just kind of happens out of nowhere. Maybe yeah. maybe it was gradual. I don't I don't know. I, I believe um, it's at a point where you actually see her with young children again. Yeah. And it's like oh suddenly she's taller than the young children. Okay. But the yeah the passage of time is handled very is is weird in this show because it it just keeps kind of flowing but you don't they never mention how much time has passed or how many years have passed. Uh, yeah, well, no, gonna, one, no one really ages. You can tell it's winter yeah. because there will be a scene where Candy is trapped out in the snow trying to yeah. struggle down a road in the middle of the snow. Sure, many winters. Oh, every, just every winter, yeah. But there is one character who definitely encapsulates this difficulty in understanding how much time has passed or how old anyone is, and that is Albert, uh, who is yes. a... Uh, very, a very important, very mysterious character who who Candy befriends near the estate. He saves uh, so he, her from drowning. He saves her from drowning. So he is supposed to be seventeen 
uh, I believe, at the time that she, that she meets him. Yeah, but he, he, yeah he's he got a hippie beard. He's got a full like he beard. Really he, he looks like a hobo in his yes. late 40s. And he's he's supposed to be 17. And and it, it's interesting. Looking back, I think, I, I don't know if this was just sloppy, but it, but it, it does seem that they kind of they kind of play with his age a bit, depending on the role. He, like he has, you know, there there are many angles to the relationship that he has with Candy throughout the series, and sometimes, you know, he'll seem much younger than he was before. Sometimes he'll seem much older, and it, and it it kind of highlights just the many roles that he plays uh, in her life, and I think that that is pretty important. Um, I, I believe when she runs into him in in, in London, he's shaved. Yeah. He yeah, barely yeah. recognizes him, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, I thought you were a lot older." He's like, "No, I'm just." I think he even says an exact age, or he says, "I'm in my." He, 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 yeah. he says that he's in his twenties at that point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Albert is. Uh, how to describe? It's, it's difficult to summarize their their relationship really, because again, it it changes so much throughout the series. And it's but... left very ambiguous at the end. Yeah. Well, as you oh, know, the, throughout, the is... and we're gonna we're gonna get to this in the story, but Candy is. Uh, she likes Albert. She's friends with Albert. She gets along really well with him. They wind up living together at some point. But at the same time, she's always like, well, I can't be in love with this guy because I'm in love with my prince on the hill. You know, I've always got this. I don't know that she doesn't, though, because she was going to set to marry Terry. Well, that's true. Terry was yeah. presented as her true love. That's that, true. You know, they could never be together. There's still a Team Terry out there. Oh, there is. It's right there. Yeah. It's the entire nation of Italy, apparently. There's like a, an English language forum of these women that I guess are my age. I heard like from them, yeah. Vehement. They were, I, when I wrote this Let's Anime piece on Candy Candy, I got lo- uh, quite a few emails from people going, I cannot believe you wrote this. This is amazing. Or, you know, like, you did a panel on Candy Candy at an anime con? I can't believe it! Like, no, 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 we're out there. People like Candy Candy. Yeah. But yes, Albert is there, and he's very important. And I just want to point out, just we were talking about her being banished to Mexico. Before she gets sent to Mexico, I think, is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. Where you know she's she's framed by Neil and Eli- I always I'm always on the verge of accidentally calling them Lester and Eliza, uh, <laughs> and they are very different from Lester and Eliza. They they basically get found out, or um, Alistair and and Archie and Anthony uh, get get the truth out of out of Neil in the end, and they're able to uh, clear Candy's name, but it's all it's too late. She's taken to Mexico before they can, and they they think that they're never going to see her again, so. They have a very appropriate response, which is to dress in full Scottish regalia and play bagpipes on the hill as she's being taken away to Mexico. You have to see this scene to believe it. It's, it is truly incredible. A landmark moment in shoujo melodrama. Absolutely. This is why we watch Japanese cartoons moments. And the best part is that she, she comes back to the estate within two episodes, which is just like, Perfect. And when she comes back, that is when she's she is formally adopted by Grandfather William, the mysterious patriarch of the Adley family. So just to make sure, in I guess the uh, English titles, they call him Grandfather William. He is yes. Grandfather William in all the English translations I've seen. How is he it, referred to in the French version? Uh, uh, uncle. Uh, uncle. Uncle. Yeah. yeah. 
He is, sure. yeah, I, I, th- I think he's like OOG son in, yeah. in yeah. Japanese. It makes, Uncle makes more sense because he's obviously yeah. not anyone's, well, not to give anything away, but he's not anyone's well, friend. We, okay, yeah. let, 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 okay, let's, let's, let's agree on one thing right now. We will not spoil the final episode of okay. Candy Candy. <laughs> that works. You cannot, you cannot know the, the secret of Grandfather or Uncle William unless you have watched all prior 114 episodes or read the nine volumes of the manga, yeah. because the manga is yeah. much shorter. <laughs> well, we will spoil what happens to Anthony is that uh, he dies. It is yes. the first season, so... Really? Yeah. Episode 24. Sent to the hospital. <laughs> no, yeah. Flash gets sent to the hospital. <laughs> the special medical clinic six feet below ground. That's what happened to him. Yes. Oh. So that is right when, right when Candy is thinking... My life is going great. I'm in love with this boy. He's in love with me. I've got good friends. I'm going to get out from under the thumb of Neil and Eliza. Things are going great. Wham. Suddenly things are not great. Despite the fact that there's like a lot of very obvious foreshadowing, like the scene when they go to the fortune teller and oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they, they draw the death card. They're like, what yeah. could this possibly be? Yeah, what, could, like what, they, what could this mean? <laughs> they, they really lay it on thick. I, I don't want to get pedantic, but like the death card in tarot doesn't mean death. I know, I, I know it does not mean. I know it does not I know actually mean death. That's how they death. intended it. It just always yeah. does how they, when I see that. that, that in absolutely, culture. how they intended it in this show. Obviously, it's just it's yeah. always makes me I, crazy. Yeah, I, I think but the thing is though, I think that they they wanted to sort of telegraph it a lot to soften the blow of when it does happen. It although it does not do that at all. No, no, no. And it's again, like I think as Dave mentioned, it's that scene with the horse stepping in the in the the fox trap. It's just like, and they keep flashing back to it over and over again, and it's just it gets you every time. You know, someone put a trap on their hunting ground, which seems like a really bad idea. Yeah, someone yeah. needed to get fired for yeah. that. That's yeah, that's like honestly, you could have them up on charges. Yeah. I, I guess it wasn't the fox trap because you don't. That's not how you hunt foxes. Because there it was it was a bear trap. A bear trap, yeah. yeah. Even though, are there bears in Indiana? Yeah, those are questions um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Not after all those traps. I'm not sure yeah. we were hoping to catch there. We trapped them all. It's a plot trap. That's, that's yeah. what it was. So, so, and this is what the families all get together and say, this is a terrible tragedy. Obviously, what we need to do is pack all these kids off to an English boarding school. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Candy does make one stop at Pony's home yeah, uh, yeah. before... Yeah. Going to the the strictest school in all of England, and that's that's what that's the theme throughout the series. She every once in a while she has to go back to Pony's home to to recharge and get her her bearings straight and and figure out like how will I handle the tragedies that inevitably happen after all the good things that will happen to me as my life continues. If you if you feel bad, if you feel sorry for yourself, just go and hang out with some orphans, and yeah. you won't feel like you've got such a raw deal. And, and the fa- and climb the father tree. You gotta climb, um, climb the tree. Yeah, climb I, the I tree. think this is also the point where, like, one of my favorite filler episodes, where that crazy rich guy tries to purchase the father tree and have it like dug up and moved to his property. Yeah, and then they have like a tree climbing contest at the end to determine who will get to keep, to keep the father tree. I forget why did he even want the tree for? I have I have no idea. It was a to- it was a total filler episode, but it it accomplished one thing: is that it makes sure that you will never forget that father tree. You know, I'm gonna say. I've seen a lot of these, you know, this is a filler. You, you, you see the episodes in a lot of long-running oh. shows where the characters will go, wow, remember that time we first met Kenshiro? You know, 
in Fist of the North Star or whatever. But I want to say Candy Candy might be the first show where they actually have characters go, wow, remember that time? And then they kill a couple of minutes flashing back to a previous episode. This may be the first show that actually did that. Well, the thing is that Candy Candy, I mean, when I say when I say that the that that episode's a filler episode, I mean it wasn't in the manga. I don't no, it's not in the manga. No, but uh, they do but, do flashback episodes. Yeah, but what I found remarkable about Candy Candy is that despite how much longer it is than the manga, nothing really feels like filler except no. for that that one arc near the end, and even that's fine. Well, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, again, that that episode reinforces the father tree. Which is like, there's definitely a theme of paternalism going on in in Candy Candy, and you know, with her with her adoration of, of Grandfather William and her her love of the Father Tree, which represents, I guess, the father figure that she couldn't have in Pony's home. I, I have a theory about Pony's home, and it's yeah. just a theory, but um, I don't expect it's canonical in the slightest. But my feeling about um the two ladies who run Pony's home is they are not nuns; they are a couple. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Miss Pony, I don't I don't think she ever was supposed to be a nun. I think it was No, it, you, you only ever see the younger woman in the nun habit. I think yeah. they just set up that story so that nobody would question these two ladies running an orphanage. Oh, that could be. Yeah, I like I can that. get behind that. Yeah. Hey, they're doing good for the community. No one's got to no yeah. one's got to uh, you, you don't see anything uh, particularly religious in there. Like, there's nothing no. to suggest that it's a Catholic orphanage, particularly. True. So Sister Lane or uh, is just putting on a front. Is, uh, yes. It's, it's, is, okay. it's a little yeah. overboard, I will grant you. There are a lot of things that don't track for this theory, but that is my theory about uh, uh, Miss Pony and Sister Lane. Yeah. Sister Maria in the French version. Um, of course. Actually, yes. on that note, it's it's uh, something I didn't look into. Is apparently like this: the Quebec version and the French version had the same alternate changed names, and I uh, I don't know why that is. I, I didn't I didn't do I didn't research hard enough. I don't know why this why this well, well, the, happened. The Quebec but. the Quebec version came first. I guess they just kept that. Maybe yeah, they came they came at the same time, so I'm, I'm guessing they'll probably use the same script. Or, or maybe it was all just the Quebec version. I don't know. I should. It's, it's hard to verify this stuff from from so long ago. I'm hoping someone comes and corrects me. But yeah, the uh, the the strictest school in all of England, run by Sister Gray, who going back to what I was talking about, like uh, with Candy, like valuing the the paternalistic figures in her life. Uh, there's this theme that uh, that matriarchal figures are always presented in a very negative way. Uh, with the exception of Miss Pony. We saw that with Aunt Elroy, and we see that again at the... I can't remember the name of the school, um, but we see that again with Sister Grey. And it's especially funny because they, if I'm not mistaken in Japanese, they have the same voice actress. Oh, the name oh, yeah. of the school is St. Paul's. St. Paul's, St. Yeah. Paul's, yeah. You know, they they talk about this the school being so strict. It's, it's really just Sister Grey. She's... She's very nasty and very unfair, but she's also under the thumb of of Terry's father. And I, I guess we we didn't uh, we didn't really get into Terry who they first meet uh, on the boat. They first meet on the, on the, on the boat. boat. Yeah, and he's, and he's this he's this bad boy. Um, he's not gonna follow the rules, man. She he's gonna, thinks he's and, and he, yeah, yeah yeah, and he wears a vampire coat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a fop. He's kind of a fop. He smokes. He gets into fights. But at the end of the day, he goes and relaxes on his bed with a with a flower a hanging flower. from his mouth because he's uh he, he's just mysterious like that. He feels things he's very, very strong, dramatic. very dramatic. He's a bad boy. Everybody everybody loves a bad boy. So they Candy and Terry kind of 
there's a relationship that they get into and um and of course Eliza sees Terry he's like oh I want that so she <laughs> sabotages everything that goes on she I Eliza's there she, too of course yeah, yeah Eliza and Neil she frames yeah Eliza and Neil are there she frames Candy and Candy gets locked in a tower something like that in in the yeah. the punishment of the school is you get locked in this medieval tower for, you know, the girl gets locked in the medieval tower. Yeah. They explicitly point out how for being caught having in, being in, in a relationship, it, it is it is the girl who is viciously and unfairly punished. Although she does sneak out a lot. She does. She, does, yeah. Yeah. she brings her raccoon to school, by the way. She takes her pet raccoon <laughs> across the Atlantic Ocean to a country where there are not raccoons. Not a native. Yes. Not a native. <laughs> It's, she wants a lot of rules. That thing, now, I don't know how familiar you are with raccoons. You do not want one in your dorm room at school. He will destroy everything. Yeah. Uh, also worth noting, like, what, what is the lifespan of a raccoon again? 18, apparently. At least 18. <laughs> really? Well, I don't know. According to Candy Candy, he's immortal because she, she's like 18 by the end of it, and he's still alive. Still, still, yeah. uh, still kicking. Two, two to three years in the wild. So. <laughs> Just send me a new raccoon. The old one died. Send Domestically, me a new one. they can live much longer, apparently. Yeah, domestically, oh, they, 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 they can. They live forever. So in, 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 I think it's closer to like eight or nine years. But. In between this show and Rascal the Raccoon, Japan was raccoon crazy. Oh my, that's probably why they put yeah. Pink in there to begin with because yeah. of the success of Rascal the Raccoon. Yeah. If you ever go to Japan, you will notice there's Rascal merchandise everywhere. It's a, still a big, it's, big deal. Yeah, you everywhere. Can still get it. Nobody, nobody loves a raccoon so much as people that have never had to secure their garbage from a raccoon. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah, in Canada, yeah. We have a slightly different attitude towards raccoons. Yeah. Oh, look, the family of raccoons moved into the abandoned house next door. We're going to have to tear it down now. Also at the, at the school, she meets uh, another friend. Oh, and... um. When does when does Annie return? Is, I think this is the point when yeah you know, they they meet up with Annie. She's going to the school yeah. as well. Yeah, she, Annie is also going to the school, so she returns into to Candy's life, which is uh, it's a big moment when it happens. But then for the rest of the story, Annie, you know, she remains one of one one of Candy's friends. But uh, then she also uh, begins dating Archie, and like Archie, she just becomes a character who adds very little to the story. They're they're. Archie and Annie are just kind of there <laughs> from this point onwards. I mean, like you can you can always rely on them being there, but they just kind they just kind of stand there and don't really do anything. They're not very interesting that. characters. No. Annie, I, I I think they just wanted to uh, provide uh, some sort of resolution to the whole Annie storyline. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, the resolution is yeah, I got tired of being around you because you get all the attention. <laughs> Which is true because she Candy is much more interesting than Annie. It is her show. It's not Annie Annie. No. Um yeah. And we also meet we also get introduced to uh to Candy's other friend Patty. Her roommate. The girl yeah, her roommate with the glasses. Uh, we also get introduced to one of my favorite characters, who is Patty's grandma, who has this very weird voyeuristic fixation on going to school. there's this this episode where she's like kind of following them around because she wants to learn more about just being being in a fancy academy, which is something that she never had an opportunity to do. And later in the episode, there, like it just cuts to the scene with her sitting in an empty classroom wearing a school uniform. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's which, a little nutty. Uh, yeah, yeah I forgot all about that. 
Yeah, it is. It that totally like threw me for a loop when I saw that. It's like, whoa, what the fuck? This is this is kind of creepy. Uh, and then also, uh, Alistair, or they call him Steer, which I don't think is an actual abbreviation of, of Alistair. But uh, they, she starts dating. They, he starts dating Patty, uh, and it's they, they bond over the fact that they both wear glasses. That's that's the foundation of their relationship. <laughs> they, they bump into each other. They both drop their glasses, and they just like start start making making eyes at each other uh, after that. This is a show for little kids. We've got it. We've got it. We can't be subtle. Well, we gotta... it was more rare in the early 1900s for for young people to wear glasses. That is true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, when you put it that way, it, it just kind of makes sense. After this point, Candy Candy is punished harshly for her uh, relationship with Terry. I can't I can't remember all the details of this point, but she, she got she, framed. Yeah, she got framed essentially. Oh, yeah, it was Eliza. Eliza was behind it. Yeah, as, as usual. Terry quit school. He said, "Screw this." He's I'm a bastard son. Like his mom is like a, an American actress, and he's like the, this yeah. Lord's bastard son. So yeah, Terry is yeah. like, the heck with his school. I'm going to go to America and become a, an actor. An actor, yeah. He quits school. He returns to America. She stows away on board a ship to cross the Atlantic. She begins her journey to to find Terry in America, and th- this is this is basically half of the show. Yeah, uh, is her le- leaving England, returning to America. This yeah. is a really long segment, and I want to say that there's there's a part on the boat. She's stowed away on the boat. She winds up helping the ship's doctor. Correct me if I'm wrong. And this is when she's like, "It's before that. It's be- she's on her way to the ship to to, to yeah, the yeah, okay, dock. yeah. Because she's like in the middle. They have a better sense of English geography, where it takes her a while to get to the to this port. So she stops at this farmhouse, and someone needs some sort of medical care, and she gives them. She helps give them medical care until the doctor gets there. And this sort of, sort of sparks in her like, I could be a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. This is also the point where she she meets Cookie. Yes. Uh, who is who? As I and I have to I have to point this out. Uh, when you have when you have a show and your main character's name is Candy, and you introduce a character who is named Cookie, I think it is reasonable to expect that Cookie is going to be of some importance in this story. Well, he is not. <laughs> they make, he is they, not they, important They build it all. up. It's like they mention, oh, we're the same height. We kind of look alike. Yeah. And yeah. you think they're angling for, you know, a brother, but no, he just disappears. No, to yeah. some guy. I think maybe the yeah. editor, like, put the kibosh on it. We we have to, you know, yeah, because when you're looking at manga, like a weekly manga, you know, you, you we have this idea that it's all plotted out in advance. And it's like sometimes it's week by week and the editor's like, where are you going with this? This is terrible. Get rid of this guy. Yeah. Or it's, it's, this character tested really poorly. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if Cookie was in the manga or not. I, I believe didn't, he I is. Didn't get that far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It felt like there was some kind of aborted plan with Cookie. I, I don't think he was going to be a love interest because he's definitely not a a shojo love interest no, kind of no, character. There was not. But yeah, it was definitely it, a brother type character. Yeah, yeah. So and then he he returns once and then he basically is never seen again. Um, which, which which comes off as kind of weird. Um, I do remember the segment of the show taking an inordinately long time because you know she's going to get is quite long. Yeah, it's yeah. like you're going to get to this the, the next segment, which is when she learns to be a nurse at the Mary Jane Nursing School. But you know she's going to be a nurse. That yeah, but quite a while. it's a long time getting there. And, and speaking of of uh, authoritarian female, older female characters. Yes, Mary, Mary Jane. Jane. 
Mary Jane, although M E R R Y Jane, as they say. M E R R Y, yes. Yeah. I think I think you you see it spelled out that way. Mary Jane, yeah, she is she is very harsh. Although I, to her credit, unlike the, the the other matriarchal characters we we find, I think Mary Jane she 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 is very much pushing, trying to push Candy to her limits. Oh yeah, she, yeah. She sees the potential she has in a nurse and we're introduced to another character who i mentioned earlier who is franny i found their their relationship very interesting because franny chastises candy constantly for being you know irresponsible or being too friendly with patients or not having a serious approach and franny comes off as being unpleasant but she is she is never actually wrong yeah she's right no she's right she is right she is right about every criticism she makes of with candy but at the same time Candy is is very good at being a nurse, and the skills that she's exhibiting are valid ways of helping patients. And it's just really interesting to see those th- their two approaches contrast. They're both they they have the same role, but they approach it in different ways, and they're equally effective. I don't think they 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 never reconcile that directly, but it's clear to anyone watching them or observing them that they're able to learn from each other. And I, th- I think ultimately Candy Candy learns more from Franny than Franny does from Candy. And this is and also at this point of the story, this is where we start seeing in the background uh, the events leading up to World War One, and, and Franny is, is the one who ultimately goes to, to serve on the front lines as a nurse. The, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big event for the most part, and she, she leaves, and we, we do never hear from her again after that. And I don't, I don't know if that was intentional or if she... You know, just just exited the story. I think it's because the story also took a very different tension after that. Yes, it it, it definitely moves away from it. Um, and we uh, there's there's, well, okay, I was gonna say there's no reason to hear from Franny, but the the war is very much in the in, in the background right right to the very end. Oh, okay, I forgot to mention, Candy does while Candy did succeed in bringing her raccoon all the way over to England and to her uh, strict private school, uh, she she drew the line at taking Clint with her to medical school. Yes, she, yes. she does not take him into a hospital. Yeah, a, a raccoon in a medical school—that's that, kind of unsanitary. Yeah, they, they finally she finally draws the line there, <laughs> and and uh, so we 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 do get. Uh, Clint replaced with uh with with the Saint Bernard dog for a little while, but uh you know they they, they get back on track after that and they they do reunite. Speaking of reuniting, this is where Albert shows back up. Albert, we see Albert again. He's lost his beard, uh, and he looks completely different. I thought we saw him a bit before as well because he was friends with Terry. Yeah, yeah, we uh, saw but, them uh, in in England together. Yeah, so he's lost his memory. He's an amnesiac. This. Yeah, so we're, we're so we are we're definitely in soap opera territory here. We are, yeah. And he has uh, a skunk. That's he right. has a skunk. Yes, that's a right. Skunk named Poupe. Um, was he in the manga? Yeah, the skunk was. Yeah, skunk the skunk was, was in the manga. Did. The skunk was in the manga. Yeah. It's also around when she reunites, kind of reunites with Terry. That's right. Yeah, it takes a while before she reconnects with Terry. But this is where are they? They're in Chicago. They're in Chicago. Chicago. Chicago, Yeah. So we're in. I'm pretty sure Terry is acting on stage in New York. New York City. So. So there's a lot of train rides. Yeah. So she finds herself in Chicago. She she encounters Albert again. Albert always seems to kind of be lurking in the background of wherever she she goes by total coincidence, of course. And she she meets him again, but now he's lost his memory because he was uh he was fighting in the war. Actually, I think he was he was rescuing his skunk. Uh, after they had both fallen off of a train, and then there was a landmine, and that caused him to lose his memory. He 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 has amnesia for a long time. 
Okay, so Terry's acting on stage. Uh, Eliza's back from from Europe. They all come back because of the war. Everybody's back. Yeah, yeah the war is going back. on, so all the kids get sent back to America because of the Zeppelins. Yeah, and Candy is uh, actually caring for Albert at the hospital that she's working at. But ultimately, when he's recovered uh, for the most part, but he doesn't have his memories back yet. So, but she still feels that she needs to be there with him in order to help him regain his memories. I, th- I think they they take him to that small clinic um to to help treat him but ultimately by choosing to continue supporting him she has to end her relationship with the hospital or oh no eliza was behind her being kicked out of i can't god something bad happens eliza so many bad things happening that involve eliza, eliza. and i can't and, remember what at what point but there is a point at which neil decides that he needs to marry candy oh yes the only That's, way he can think of is to make sure that she can't get a job so he makes sure no hospital in Chicago will hire her. This is sort of later. This yeah, is right towards the end. Yeah, yeah. She begins hearing news of Terry uh, performing in um, in New York City in, in Romeo and Juliet. We we learn later that her journey to to find Terry is really just what's driving her to find other things in life, which is like becoming a nurse. Actual, really important things, but. Finding Terry is why she came to America. She does say, even before she leaves school, she she does say that part of her decision is because he's leaving to pursue his dream, and she wants yeah. to do the same to find out what her dream is. What her dream is, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is all definitely all tied together in her mind. She does make her way to, to New York, which is, uh, you know, a long way away. And during this time... Susanna, who is uh, starring opposite Terry in the, in the in the play, you know she she befalls uh, a a terrible accident. There's there's a, a one night, everything is coming to a head. Terry is having to choose between Candy and Susanna, and right when when it's looking like it's going to be Candy and Terry forever. I don't think you don't I, think he was going to go for it. No, I don't think he was ever even considering Susanna. He no, was, she yeah, was yeah. in love with him. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, he was he was all the way. He was going to marry Candy. They were all set to get engaged, and then Susanna saves him from getting uh, beamed with a Klieg light, which is yeah. seen in Glass Mask are very very dangerous things that fall on people. Very all the dangerous. Time. Yep. Um, and then he basically he still wants to go for it, and Candy's like, "No, you got to marry this he, woman." He, he, yeah, and, and, and that's a trope I I I I find that comes back often in shows after that also, where you have to uh, the the guy you want to be with uh, is suddenly uh, something happens with another girl and you have to leave him so that yeah. you can be happy with that. Yeah. Other he's he's got to do the him. he's got yeah. to do the honorable thing, uh, which is shorthand for somebody done got pregnant. <laughs> yes. That wouldn't have happened in this. Show. Not happening in this show. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's no. It's just it's it's just emotional abuse happening. It's emotional abuse happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, so I'm I'm not too sure about their relationship. It's not great. Uh, this no. is one of the worst decisions Candy makes. Is forcing uh, Terry to to go. With well, him. I mean, this is Terry's deal. Like he could he. He made this decision. No, because decision. Candy would not be with him. She's like, no, you're beholden to her. It's it's a bad. Decision. Oh well, he's not going to be with Candy, <laughs> but he doesn't have to take her Susanna no, for the rest not. of her life. He could take care of her, but he doesn't have to. Yeah, marry he doesn't her. have to marry her. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to say this this whole uh, Candy Terry Susanna thing. This is the emotional peak. This is the climax of the show. Yeah, I think, and everything else is kind of a falling action. If you want to look at it from a dramatic standpoint, you like rising action, climax, falling action. You know? Yeah, yeah. So and it doesn't quite map out that way, but it's pretty close. And as we kind of alluded to before, uh, people in Italy were not happy with <laughs> with the outcome of this. Oh, I think uh, a lot so of people much. around the world. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it is understandably disappointing in many ways, but um, I mean, it's 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 very much uh, in the spirit of Candy Candy. But in Italy, they apparently edited together an entire movie that tells an alternate version of the ending <laughs> where Candy and um, and Terry get together. I don't know how wow. they managed to do that. They're just like, oh, you could do it. No, you could do it. I, I, have, I haven't seen it. I'm very curious. We see. did three fan space battleship Yamato movies that were basically like that. <laughs> just taking footage and reversing it or... Uh, rearranging it or, you know, otherwise messing with it. A lot it. of close-ups. I think a lot, of close-ups. a lot of close-ups. Yeah. Maybe, may, maybe we won't get too explicit about what happens in the last few episodes. I'd, I'd like to encourage people to, to watch the series. Can we tell sure. them? So, so Candy and Albert are living together in yeah. Zany Animal Clinic? Zany Animal Clinic. It's, yeah, it's full Albert. of, uh, what's the name of that? I forget the name of the clinic. It's got a goofy name. It's like, you know, the Mary Jane School or Pony's Home. It's got a zany name. It's not just an animal clinic. It's a clinic that will accept anyone That's regardless right. of species. That's it's right. a human and animal clinic. That's right. And this is this is where Candy, uh, the Ligans have blacklisted Candy from working in any school, in any hospital, uh, because she will not marry Neil. Any licensed so, medical facility. Any licensed medical so facility. So it's like Blackjack, she's got to work yeah. a beyond the law. Yeah, Albert does get his memory back due to a yeah. car accident. I, due yes. to a car accident, That's yes. Right. And I, I, I also there was there was a filler arc where she goes off to a a mining town uh, where they're digging a tunnel. Uh, and it is the only part of this series where I would dismiss as total irrelevant. Filler. It's filler. Uh, it's filler. Yeah, it is total filler. It's still highly entertaining. I would never dream of skipping it. But yeah, it, that is the one the one portion where they're they're waiting for the mong that right before. We're on episode 100. They're waiting for the manga to finish. But we, we will leave it to you to watch all of Candy Candy and discover the amazing ending that awaits you at uh, episode 115. I don't think any of you guys have watched the show recently, but were there any specific episodes that did stand out for you? There's one episode where um, she is back at Pony's home, and there's a rambunctious orphan who, for some reason, is really excited about going off to war. And Candy manages to kill an entire herd of cattle by driving them off a cliff and then says, that's what war is like. Which, you know, is a good thing to learn, a good lesson to learn, but a really expensive way. Like a rancher way. who is extremely yeah. poor for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's like, that's a lot of, that's a really expensive lesson. But it's like, holy cow. It's like, no, this is the horrors of mass warfare, kid. You don't want any part of it. Why don't you stay out of the army? But that's that's actually yeah. That I remember that one. That that's a pretty yeah. Any, any standouts for the rest of you guys? I, I don't think I have any any standout episode. I just like just perhaps just standout moments. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like well, like well, it, it's it's a, it's a spoiler for the end, so I'm not gonna say it. But <laughs> but basically the end. Yeah. Uh, well, the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that, uh, the final episode? Like you will. 
you you may be able to predict some parts of that final episode, but there there's at least a couple a couple things in there that you will not see coming. And there's there's some there's some good misdirection, even thematic misdirection with uh with the way that this show treats patriarchal figures. Uh, I'll say that one episode that blew me away in Candy Candy was the episode with Bob, the kid who's obsessed with building graves for people. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so this this kid is clearly there is something wrong with this kid. His name is Bob. He has a B on his shirt, so you really know he's a little shit. And whenever he gets angry at someone, he makes a he makes a gravestone for them and writes their name on it. And but they also you know, he also the kid, other kids made fun of him for not being able to read and write. So he would get angry and then he would make graves. Uh, in order to address this situation, Miss Pony and Sister Lane uh, basically said, well, you know, no one's going to know whose grave it is unless you write their name on it. So he got out books and, and figured out how to write people's like rest in peace this person's name on it and they just watched him like oh wow bob has really learned how to read and write nicely <laughs> and, and which i i'm pretty sure is not a healthy way to deal with the situation <laughs> at least he's learning how to read and write yeah yeah he, he absolutely did learn how to read and write and of course he, he he eventually does make a grave for for candy which is which says here lies freckled girl which <laughs> that episode that is, it was really something amazing. Um, I liked it a lot. Also, the, the, again, the, the weird, the weird Father Tree episode, fun little standalone episodes that pop up now and again in Candy Candy, which uh, I think are really great. I, I was gonna say, I was gonna ask, like, what you guys think is really what made Candy Candy so popular around the world? Uh, I mean, was it just a matter of it being in the right place at the right time? Which is, you know, that was basically what happened with Goldorak. I mean, do you think you could say the same about Candy Candy? I think it's really the human drama because you you yeah. want to root for her, and, and you see all the all the sadness that follows her, and you just want her. You you because you, you're inclined to to want to see her be happy. Yeah, there's nothing else like it. It's it's very compelling, like a soap opera. Like a lot of people say, oh, I don't I don't like soap operas, but if you watch like one episode, you suddenly find, well, I gotta find out what happens next. Yeah. They, they're really good at starting these story threads and, you know, you have to see what happens in the next episode to resolve it. Certainly in the you know. mid-1970s, Japanese cartoons were uh, becoming popular, becoming pop culture all over the world. And to give, like, boys had Albator and they had Goldorak, or, you know, wherever you were in the world, you had these shows for, for boys. But girls did not have a show like that, a serialized episodic melodrama until candy candy really there were not yeah like that was the first yeah, shoujo I don't think anime there were any really. serialized uh yeah what, was was georgie girl after candy yes as far as i know yeah okay well, i mean we had we, we we already had like attack number one and aim for the ace and yeah but they're 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 thing. sports right they're just not sports, yeah. 100 percent melodrama there's yeah. there are melodramatic and, elements in there but it's primarily sports yeah. And also, they're, they're older skewing as well. I mean, like Attack Number One and and uh, and Aim for the Ace. They're from Margaret Magazine. That's more of a older middle school, oh, yeah, high school yeah. kind of magazine. Like yes. Candy Candy was Nakayoshi, which is elementary, younger middle school. So I, it's, I, it's a show for young, a show for young girls. Like uh, manga had girls. shoujo manga had been exploring those themes and topics, but anime had yet to catch up. Yeah. To that sort of... Uh, oh, yeah, there were tons of them in manga. Yeah, yeah in anime, there weren't. 1975, 
1976, it was strictly super robots and, and funny animals, you know, and, uh, you know. And as you might have been able to tell from the way we, we had to kind of piece this, uh, the, the summary of Candy Candy together, you can't easily, it doesn't really easily break down into story arcs. Like the way the, the story threads all weave together, it's very, very org- organic. Everything kind of flows in, like events flow into other events. And it always comes back to Pony's home. Yeah, it like always comes back to Pony's home. The waves go out, the waves come back in. Yeah. It's uh yeah, there's there's a definitely a that that kind of um it's a show with a rhythm and the rhythm is unbelievably cohesive as well. Uh I I'm like I'm kind of curious to know how the writing went with this show because um especially with elements like the mystery that was going on in the background, it it, it feels like they had to have there had to have been many parts of this story that were planned in advance um, yeah, sure. especially when it was being adapted as an anime it's like how could they have done like it especially when they're going off of this manga it, it, it must have been extremely difficult to do that while flying by the seat of their pants i think they must have had the major story points they are yeah must have known what those would be yeah and yeah. i mean there weren't any real as far as i know there weren't any major breaks in the anime like with attack on titan they've taken like two, three-year-long breaks to let the manga catch up because I, I think I think they really don't know where the story's going. Yeah. Um, but I, they must have had some idea because they don't take any kind of... Like, there's the, the one tangent you mentioned where they let the manga catch up where she goes to the mining town. It's just remarkable how well this show holds itself together. Um, I mean, also, like, production-wise, it's very cheap. This is like oh, this, yeah. is, this is cheap. This is cheap Toei. It's seventy um, Toei TV. But it is so consistent. It's remarkably consistent. Yeah, I was kind of like hoping we were going to get an episode that, like, you know, sometimes occasionally with these seventy shows, you'll get like, oh, Yoshinori Kanada worked on this episode, you know, so it looks great. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode is back to normal. But we don't get an yeah. episode like that. No. no, and it never drops, or uh, it never the quality never like raises conspicuously, but it also never drops. Yeah. And this is despite the fact that it had two directors yeah. as well. Oh, did the director change? I, I believe the director changed halfway through. It was a uh, Hiroshi Shidara for the first half. He actually he went on to do Hello Sandy Bell later. He also directed uh, the Puss in Boots movie. There you go. Um, yeah, and uh, Tetsuo Imazawa did the second half. He he directed God Mars, uh, Psychic Wars, and he he also co-directed Kenya Boy, which is uh, that's a wow. movie we, wow. we briefly brought up. That is a nuts. Uh, we, that movie is nuts. I've heard I've heard it is. Yeah, we we talked we we touched on it a little bit in the uh, in our uh, Bush Baby episode when we were talking about anime that is set in Africa. Uh, there's not a lot of it. That'd be a good pair. Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, at least. Candy is definitely a, it's like a remarkable production, and it it definitely transcends tra- tra- transcends cultural boundaries uh, in a lot of ways. I'll, I'll tell you, there aren't many uh, anime shows from the '70s that get mentioned in Saturday Night Live skits. Yeah, but Candy oh, Candy got I, mentioned. That's right. Yeah. The J-pop yeah. America Fun Time Now, the second <laughs> yes, the oh, second right. skit they did. Yes, they, yes, yes, which, yes, yes. That skit is so funny because uh, it's perfect. Like, like they get like they get the. Technically, they get all these details about Candy Candy correct, but Anna Faris is talk or they're talking about trying to escape from Pony's home. I'm just like, you're so close. <laughs> <laughs> they read a Wikipedia. Yeah, account. yeah, they read a wiki yeah. about it. No, actually, yeah. I found um, I found my notes for exactly what happened uh, legally with Candy Candy. Oh, okay. So the original deal, 
Mizuki and Igarashi shared the copyright on Candy Candy with Toei. So it was three parties who owned Candy Candy. In the 1999, in the 1990s, Igarashi unilaterally started selling candy merchandise. This prompted Mizuki to file suit. Uh, the Tokyo District Court awarded both Mizuki and Igarashi joint custody of candy in 1999. However, uh, Igarashi legally challenged Toei's television stake in candy. Uh, the effects of which were to cause Toei to place a hold on both the original show and any new, any new candy productions. So they're like, as long as someone's going to dispute this, we're not going to do anything with it. So Toei's <clears throat> keeping it. From- I think Toei is refusing to release their old material. Yeah. And they're not going to make any new material. Personally, I feel like someone's going to have to die before this yeah. log yeah. jam ends. And I, I know that's a terrible thing to say, but. Uh, if they haven't gone to the table. Uh, on the other hand, um, there were times in which I felt we would never see any more Space Battleship Yamato. And suddenly we have more Space Battleship Yamato than we really can, well, someone can died. want. Yeah, someone died, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. who's to well, say I, what's going to happen? I, I wonder if Toei yeah. even has the, the regional masters. That's what I'm concerned about because Toei is notoriously bad. Yeah, they with, all... are, are, with archiving their masters. Uh, basically, any show that they've produced that doesn't end with Z, uh, they, <laughs> you'll never see. You'll never see it in HD because yeah. they don't hold on to like the original negatives. I think in general, it's a, it's a Japanese problem of uh, not keeping any original of anything. I actually I, I found that jet, like animation studios tend to be very or at least production companies tend to be very good usually for maintaining the like for archiving that material. That's why we get Blu-ray releases for like there's a Blu-ray release of uh, Attack Number One. It looks amazing. Wait, what? Really? Yeah, yeah, it looks amazing. Oh, a show from 1969. Now we we've seen a lot of HD releases of some early Toei stuff, so it's not like they throw everything okay. in the garbage. They're, like, mo- they're mostly movies, though. They're, they're films. Uh, I want to say I've yeah. seen some pretty good, um, uh, some of their early, or sorry, late 60s. <sighs> yeah, on the other hand, I don't know what, what resolution those masters are, but uh, some of this stuff looks pretty good, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean, like, okay. Ca- Captain Harlock, Galaxy Express 3.9, Sailor Moon, uh, like, all these shows, they... The, the, they can't release them in HD because the masters are gone. We can get good-looking DVDs for all of them, mm-hmm. but HD is out of the question for all of them because they just they just didn't keep the masters, and it's uh it's disappointing and like almost certainly the case with Candy Candy, but with Candy Candy, like I, I like I'm can we even rely on getting like a good quality DVD release, uh, or D, or DVD quality release of some kind? I'd I'd love it if they did. Maybe yeah, there's like a- I'd love. TV station that still has the tapes. I don't know. Yeah. The 16 millimeter film, yeah. Well, that's the other problem. It's 115 reels of 16 millimeter film. It's a lot of stuff for a TV station to keep Wouldn't kicking that around. Would be on the, the uh, big tapes? The, what do you call it? I think in the mad? 70s. I think in the 70s they were sending out film. Oh, it was film. Okay. Like that's how Star Blazers was sent mm. out. It was 16 millimeter film. Oh. Well, let's yeah. all cross our fingers and hope that so we can get their act together. Or, you know, honestly, if they wanted to make a new Candy Candy, if they wanted to reboot Candy Candy and make a brand new Candy Candy series. Oh, yeah. That, do it. It would, it would be like Sailor Moon Crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could, they do could it. but they won't because they specifically said they weren't going to. So. 
Well, maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's the final thing we'll touch on. Do you, like, what do you think the chances are for Candy Candy in the future? Could could this be revived? Could the could could the Candy Candy phenomenon be born again in this world? I feel of twenty twenty. I feel even without a legit DVD release, like if they just started making Candy Candy T-shirts to sell in Uniqlo, um, they would sell like hotcakes. There is an enormous pent up desire for candy merch. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge legacy effect. Yeah, yeah. There's every, like I said, every Japanese person my age is like, oh, I know that. I know that show. I grew up with that show. I want that. Whether it's a, a DVD set or watching it on streaming or buying the T-shirt or buying the manga again, whatever they can do, they'll buy. I think as far as like um, current anime area right now, I don't think there's anything like Candy Candy at all. Like there's shoujo, but on, on the scale of candy candy, there's nothing like that. So it, it would probably do well. Well, that's the thing. There's there actually isn't much shoujo being adapted into anime these days. It's pretty no. much all being done as as uh, live action shows now. Yeah. And they're usually they're again usually they're older skewing. There are there are lots lots of anime targeted at young children that we don't even kind of know about here because they don't bother streaming that stuff. Candy Candy's like it really is somewhere in the middle between that stuff and that that middle ground is disappearing in Japan just because they're just because of the the changing demographics. There aren't as many um, children. Yeah. Yeah. Candy, it's she's not a magical girl, and it's not. I mean, it's historical, but it's not educational. It's there's not nothing based on actual literature. There's nothing fantastical about it at a time in which every other show is like we went into the fantasy world and did a thing, you know. Well, even shows for little kids, it'll be like a, a magical girl yeah, or something like yeah. that, but not. Maybe they'll have to make an isekai where someone enters the world of Candy Candy. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe that's the key right there. Oh. They easily, like they did those like uh, glass mask parodies, and they could easily yeah. do something like that where like a modern person is in the Candy Candy world. It's like, why is everything so dramatic? Why does this keep happening? That would be the best. Oh yeah, that would be. Uh, or, or as you, you mentioned, dramas, they could make a live-action candy drama. Might I'm surprised that would be interesting. <laughs> That'd be interesting, They've for sure. done a drama for darn near everything else. That's true. But, yeah, really, like, just cross your fingers and, and like, Japan, get uh, everybody, get to the, the, the negotiating table and hammer out a deal, and let's get this, this show back where it belongs, yeah. in the eyeballs of girls. Yeah, I think it just takes the impetus of someone at Toei with enough power and pull who really wants it to happen. It sounds yeah. like that's what's, it's just, there's just no one at Toei right now that wants to do it. Like, they could easily do it, and I think it would, yeah, it would make a lot of money for them. And they're just like, we got Dragon Ball Z, what do we need that for? That's probably their attitude. It's true. I, I mean, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that's probably their attitude. Because they do have some very popular licenses. I think I, there may be a feeling that the crossover like Dragon Ball, I think has has some crossover appeal for boys and girls. Oh yeah. But Candy Candy is a girls show. It's for girls. Except that I'm sitting here with three men. Admittedly, yeah. I think as as Chris was saying, it's going to be difficult to get like a, an 11 or 12 year old boy to say, "Oh yeah, Candy Candy. I, I like Candy Candy." Yeah. yeah. Even in this day and age, it may be difficult. It's a fairly girly franchise, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I think if, if you modernize it a bit, adapt it a bit, it would be easy. Because it, as we all say, it, it's a soap opera, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and everyone likes soap operas. Yeah. yeah. That's what Dragon Ball Z is anyway, so. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. I don't know. It Something like Candy Candy, it just seems that you can't properly fit it into in, in into the molds that we that anime has sort of fallen into these days. Well, I think the length yeah. is a little prohibitive because everything's like much shorter now. The cycles are much shorter, so yeah. that is a little problem. Well, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to leave it there uh, because Candy Candy, as much as we want it to, is uh, w- will remain in those archives until. Uh, something big happens, I think. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's something that will await us in in the 2020s. Is um, a revival of of Candy Candy in some form. Look, these kids have these people. It have... just takes a 50s ish woman to take a power at Toei. That's all it takes. That's true. It's true. Fifties. No, these 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 creators, they all have grandkids that need to go to college. Come on, let's let's get it. Let's make a it. deal here. Let's make a let's deal. Do it. You know what? I'd love to. I would love to see. It revived even just the original show because and and dubbed into English because e- even as old as this show I mean and that's a good point do you think that as the show is do you think it's something that you could get kids to watch these days at all I think so. I think you could I I yeah. I think the manga would be a tougher sell because I have seen younger people say that the the drawing style turns them off which I don't get yeah, yeah I don't get I, that, that is, I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't get that either. I think the manga is much better. I looking love the than manga. The, 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 the yeah. look of the manga is absolutely. I, that's like yeah, one of my a, favorite she's a, aesthetics. She's nailing. But that. I think once they get past the kind of crude, an, if they can get past the crude animation, then uh, yeah, I think they would absolutely get into it. But you'd have to get a couple of episodes in probably to convince anyone. Yeah. One thing the manga doesn't have is those great candy reaction shots where she just goes into. Com- completely off model. The background's all changed to that yeah. weird, fo- gassy outer space oh, look. Yeah. You know. Yes, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we're gonna have to leave it there for today. Thanks everyone for coming on. It was uh, a pleasure uh, exploring this, sh- uh, watching this show, and getting to to re-explore it with you guys afterwards. Before we leave off, can uh, everyone just share where uh, you know? what you're up to and where people can find you online. Chris, do you want to go first? So, um, uh, again, um, you, you, I, I started a new a podcast yeah. about Anisong in general. Uh, so do check that out. It's called Anisong Talk. I go to Japan often to go to concerts and everything, so I talk about that. So check it out. My Twitter is uh, at uh, We're both at mrkitty.org. It's our website where we have um, all our various uh comics and where we make fun of other people's comics and we have our podcast that is comes out maybe once a year and we also have a mr kitty patreon and uh on twitter i am ant underscore fritzy and i am terribly funhouse on twitter and i also write an anime blog at uh let's anime at blogs uh, dot blogspot dot com just let's anime uh, I've been doing that for 15 years now. Wow. Something like that. It's kind of ridiculous. Okay. No, it can't be 15 years. And then, of course, there's Anime Hell. Yeah, I do Anime Hell twice a year at conventions. Uh, and I show crazy stuff. Yeah, I'll be, I think the next time, um, Anime North coming up next May here in Toronto. So, if you're in town, swing by. It's a good show. 
Great. And yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in to Zon in Canada. You can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or email zonincanada at gmail.com. Uh, the theme song is by Ultra Kleistron and can be found on his album Packet Flood. Uh, and you can find that at ultraclaistron.com. Uh, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or you know whatever you want, whatever works for you, uh, you'll find me there. And uh, if you know anyone who might like the show, please recommend it to them. See you again. Bye-bye.